This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Elizabeth Preston, episode 194, Let Your Good Girl Go. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world. And I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hi there, beautiful soul. Welcome to another episode of the show. All right, today's episode is big. It's so big, in fact, this is my third time recording this episode. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on this episode to get it right, hence the third time recording, and I am under a strict deadline. I have to get this episode done today, so this is it. But we're going to be talking about letting your good girl go. This episode encompasses a lot of the work that I have done with my diversity, equity, and inclusion coach, Alyssa Hall, over the past two years. And her and I have done some recent sessions to prepare for this show, for this one episode, because it's that important. Okay, so I want you to listen when you're at a place where you can catch everything I'm going to tell you a lot of things, and it's going to almost seem like you are drinking from a water hose, okay? Because what I'm going to break down today are all of society's ways that are subtle and not so subtle that put the pressure on us as women to be good, you know, quote unquote good. And this is what society has told us to to be successful. And so... Many of us, we hear these messages, again, either consciously or unconsciously, subtly or not subtly, and we start to live our lives that way. And at some point, we start to wake up and say, ugh, this does not feel good. And we don't know why. And we question ourselves in that of like, why can't I just be happy? Why can't I just be grateful? Because outwardly, I have a lot of success. Outwardly, people would say you've quote unquote made it. You've created a stable life. But on the inside, there are things that just feel off. 
Maybe you feel more overwhelmed than you portray. Maybe you feel disconnected. Maybe you feel like you're not reaching your potential. Maybe you just feel like, God, there's got to be more to life than this. And today's episode is going to help you see why you feel that way. And it's going to allow you to start to shift the thoughts that are particularly big for you right now so you can start to live a more fulfilling life where you feel connected, where you feel like you are showing up as the best version of you, where you feel like, oh, I can just be my full self and it's going to be loved and accepted. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down all these different buckets that Alyssa and I have put together that society has told us again is like, this is what a good successful girl is. It's going to be a lot, as I said, and I just want you to listen with open ears, see what resonates for you. Okay. So some things I say, maybe like, yeah, I know that, or yeah, that doesn't apply to me. Or maybe you just don't even hear it. And then later you'll listen to this episode again and be like, oh man, that hit differently. Okay. But today your job is to just listen in on what hits home for me right now. And for most people, it'll feel like almost a gut punch of like, oh yeah, that's it. That's what I'm feeling either at work or in my marriage or partnerships or, you know, just in everyday life. Right. So again, today's going to bring up maybe a lot for you. And just realize discomfort may come with that. Discomfort is the currency of our dreams, of change, of all the things we want. And you may feel that as you listen to this episode. And that is normal. That's okay. And that shows that you know where to change. As I say, awareness is always the first step to change. And you're going to gain so much awareness today. Okay, so again, listen in when you can. This may be an episode you listen to multiple times. And just to reiterate one more time, all of my marketing now moving forward is going to be focusing on all of these things that I share with you today, but in small doses. If you follow me on things like Instagram, I'm going to be more active on TikTok. You're going to start to see me talking about all of these beliefs that society puts on us over and over and over again because this is where most of my clients are when they start to work with me. They start to wake up and say, ooh, this is what I've been told to believe and told to think and told is quote unquote successful and I need more because I just feel a little empty inside. All right, so let's start unpacking all of these things. If you hear me shuffling papers, it's because I have, again, so many notes. All right, so we're gonna break down Let's see, how many buckets are there? Five, five different buckets that I have put together that's like, okay, these are the big buckets society teaches us. And then we're gonna break down each of those buckets into kind of the bullet points or the details among that bigger bucket, okay? So the first big bucket is being socially successful. This is what we're teaching girls, And women, especially, I think we're teaching it to everybody, right? But it's definitely thrown out there to girls a lot. And what does this mean? It means be friends with everyone and make sure everybody likes you. Be consistently on. So on meaning being nice without emotion and showing up of service. 
also doing constant temperature checks of the room to make sure you're meeting other people's needs. And you should feel good about doing this. You should walk into a room, say, oh, so-and-so needs this and -and so-and-so needs that. And you are able to morph into those people and you are able to serve them in that way. And you leave feeling, oh my gosh, I feel so good I was able to help them. I was able to nurture them. I was able to give them, again, what they need. And so you're almost like this mirror, right? Or this chameleon of, of sorts. You're also playing into or out of your stereotypes to make as many people as comfortable as possible. Okay, so for anybody who's not white, especially here in the States, that's morphing into being a more white version of yourself, but then when you're in other rooms, it's you know morphing to that version, right? And this can be true of anybody, even white people, right? I know I've been in rooms where it's mostly black people because a lot of my friends growing up were black. And yeah, I would maybe morph myself a little bit more and you know say things a different way to be around them in that way. And I'm not saying all of this is bad and wrong, right? I love showing up of service. I have a gift to be able to listen to people deeply and to understand them and to serve them. And that is a beautiful thing. But where it can be an overdrive is when we're showing up doing these things for people all the time and we're like, oh, I just don't feel like myself. Oh, I feel disconnected. Oh, I feel like I'm there for everybody else and nobody's there for me. Or I can't just be the fullest expression of myself. I kind of have to be like this Stepford wife almost or this robot or this zombie, right? Okay, so the other thing that plays into being socially successful is making everything look easy. And when you're given things, to be extremely grateful for whatever you're given and not complaining. I mean, this is true of so many parents who teach us, right? Of like, just be grateful, just be grateful, just be grateful. And it's especially true for women and women of color or any other kind of minority, right? Of like, just just accept what you're given. It's just such a, you know, gift and honor that you're even at the table. But then we kind of just have to grin and and be happy and be nice. You know, Michelle Obama talks about this all the time now that she's out of the White House of like, oh, I wasn't able to wear my hair naturally. You know, I kind of had to be, you know, smiling and happy all the time because I knew it was just so much for a lot of people to see a black family in the White House, right? So that's what many of us are doing in all of these circles, especially if we're breaking barriers. We're also taught to never rock the boat or speak up, especially on controversial topics like religion, sex, and politics. And if you do, you're labeled as toxic, bad, wrong, a bitch, ungrateful, or even angry and aggressive. Okay? So again, some of this isn't bad, right? You don't want to walk into a room and just start shit for no reason, right? That's not smart. But again, when this stuff is in overdrive, we're not feeling like we can fully express ourselves, okay? The other thing is to be 100% supportive of others no matter what, even if you don't support it. Keep almost everything private, i.e. being seen and not heard. That's a big time old school belief among parents with their children, right? Be seen and not heard. Be seen and not heard. Mold yourself to others and people please. We've talked about that already. Another thing here with being socially successful and molding yourself, right, is in essence saying your pleasure is not important. You, again, are there to serve everybody else, make everybody else comfortable 
So your needs, your desires, your pleasure, as I said, is not as important as everybody else's. Also on this, it's to mother others and enjoy it, as I've said. Saying no to things can be labeled as bad and selfish and, again, like bitchy and wrong and all those things, you know. Granted, some of these things feel very old school, right? And I think we've evolved, especially in the past few years, out of these things. Like women speak up more. Women can say no more. But I will tell you, you know, I'm 38 years old at the time of this recording, which is December 2022. And even in college, you know, that was in the years of 2002 and 2006, I didn't say no a lot. I very much went out with girls too, and they didn't say no. Many of them were date raped. Many of us went and did stupid things looking back on it. Like we were in New Orleans once and we were, you know, of course, drinking like crazy. And my friend and I went back to these guys' hostel and spent the night there and we didn't do anything with them and they didn't do anything to us, thank God. But I look back on that and I'm like, oh my God, Lindsay, like what the fuck were you thinking? Thank God they didn't murder you or rape you or anything. Like, oh my gosh, right? Because we were just like these fun time girls and we felt like we had to say yes to everything all the time and put on the smile and again, be there to serve. Yeah. So the other thing in this too is that this is especially true in the South, Oh my goodness, we are really taught to smile and look pretty and be there of service, right? So you may be in a culture where it's not as heavy. I promise you some of these other things will hit more home for you, I guess. So just stay with me, all right? But to finish up the socially successful bucket, the other thing is just really being domestic too and how important that is and how that makes you a quote-unquote woman, right? So domestic meaning you have a clean home, you're crafty, you host and you party plan, you're a great cook. And if you aren't those things in some circles, they can kind of be like, well, what's wrong with her, right? Or why can't you do these things? And there's this pressure on us as women to do those things better. I see with some of the women that I'm associated with at my daughter's school and sometimes it'll come out of like, well, I'm not crafty. And I can feel this like level of shame with it. And I'm like, okay, you're not crafty. No big deal. Like that's fine. And it just shows again that we are taught like we should be these things, right? So that's the socially successful bucket. Just to wrap it up, it's saying you're friends with everyone. You're going in, reading the room, adjusting as needed because your needs aren't as important. And so in that, you're mothering people. You're making people feel good about themselves. Even if you're breaking barriers, you still need to make people feel comfortable around you because if you don't, watch out. You're going to be labeled a bitch and angry and all of those things. Okay? So that's that first bucket. The second bucket that we're teaching girls and women is to be academically and professionally successful. So that means, you know, obviously showing up, getting good grades, working that corporate ladder. Entrepreneurship is coming more mainstream, but I know when I told my parents that I was starting a coaching business, even though I had had a dance studio and even had a party planning business very briefly, my parents shit their pants. They were just like mind blown why I would do this entrepreneurship thing 
especially where I'm going to go talk about feelings in this industry called coaching that wasn't really a thing at that time because this was almost a decade ago, whereas coaching now is more mainstream. But yeah, they were just like so disappointed in me that I would do something like this versus you know, the jobs that I had where I was like in human resources or even the college job that I had where basically I was just getting paid to do nothing. But they were like, but that's such a stable job, Lindsay, with insurance and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but I'm unhappy. But again, that's what we're taught is like, that's what successful is, right? Get good grades, go to college, go and have this quote unquote safe job. We're also taught in that is like, you're allowed to be successful. We want you to be successful, but don't be too shiny in that. You know, like make good grades, but maybe not necessarily like be the Victorian because then you're probably going to get some heat for that. If you're out there and super duper successful, like be humble about it. Don't brag about it. And again, some of this is fine, right? You know, we all know those people that are like, look at my Lamborghini and look at this. And I'm like, oh, gag me, right? But at the same time, you know, I think especially as women, we don't fully own our success and our power because we're so used to being around other women who are complaining and talking about how they don't have this thing in life or that thing in life. And so when we're too shiny, you know, part of our women pack, in essence, can be like, oh, ooh, and not like it. When the reality is, is that they don't like it because they're still in the societal system and belief programming of like, hey, you're not allowed to be too shiny. Why are you doing this? Remember, we're supposed to kind of hate our lives here. We're supposed to be giving too much and feeling really worn out. Why, why are you you know, breaking that system? Why are you breaking that mold? And so it's bringing up for them, them not doing that for themselves, okay? But going back to this academically, professionally successful thing, you know, again, it goes back to like, take what you're given and be grateful for it. You know, it's like, be driven, but not too driven, right? Be smart, but not too smart. Be successful, but not too successful. Be pretty, but not too pretty. It's just like always walking that line, of whatever we need to do, again, to mold, to fit into whatever everyone else is going to be comfortable with, right? The other thing is, you know, like I said, diminishing yourself so you can be more likable. You know, that's, I just want to hit home on that a little bit more. As Alyssa and I were breaking down this belief, right? You know, I was talking to her about this podcast and I was like, you know, I love being really open and authentic and things of that sort, but I'm just getting to a place where I think sometimes I'm oversharing and making things almost harder in my life to diminish myself. And she was like, oh, well, that makes sense. And I was like, it, it was that kind of like gut punch moment, right? I was like, oh, yeah, like I, I'm doing this. And I realize now why I'm doing this because it was so subtle, right? I, didn't, I wasn't aware of it. And now when I get, I see this belief of like, oh, of course, I'm trying to diminish myself because society tells me not to be too shiny, right? The last thing I want to say here about being academically and professionally successful it goes back to something I said earlier, but it's making it all look easy. Like you show up, you get good grades. It's just easy for her. She's pretty. It just looks easy. She's nice. It just looks easy. If you're like really kind of hustling or it's forced or, you know, people are really knowing how hard you're working, it's like 
kind of mind-blowing. They kind of judge you in that. You know, Glennon Doyle said one time something like, you know, as women, most of us are exhausted, but we're forced to cover up the exhaustion with concealer and Botox and fillers and hair dye and all the things, right, to show that we're not exhausted. And that is exactly what I'm saying is that, again, we need to make it all look easy. We need to make it look easy that we go to work and we have kids and we're, you know, the sex queen in the bedroom and we make amazing meals and all of those things, right? You know, I I remember when I had my first therapist and, gosh, this would have been 2012, and at the time I was with my ex, and I was like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm being enough or doing enough. You know, I know I'm a newer mom and things of that sort. And then around this time, Pinterest was getting to be popular. And I saw an image that said something like, you know, great cook, makes money, great in bed, great body, something else. And it was like, check two. You know, like that's what you get. And I remember being so mind blown by that at the time of like, wait a second. I don't have to be all of those things at the same time because I just thought I was just like there was something wrong with me to not be able to do all of those things. And then I just started to slowly shift my perception of like, okay, I I don't have to be perfect. Like what the hell? What, What kind of world is this, right? So that's that bucket of being academically, professionally successful. The next bucket many of us are taught as women. I wouldn't say it's all women, but especially I would say like upper middle class women or women who come from cultures who maybe they're immigrants or, you know, their family's just like, oh, we really want you to make something of yourself. And that's you need to be driven. Okay. And feminism definitely hits this home even more of like you can do and be it all so go effing do it and if you don't then you're not a quote-unquote modern woman you're not a feminist now this is just some feminism circles as I've started to unpack this for myself of like okay you know why is it that I feel like I have to like be this badass at work and if I'm not then you know I'm a, a failure to feminism and It was really like, again, feminism saying, you know, you need to be on your own. Don't trust men. They're pigs. And you need to make sure that you're out there doing it because we've worked our asses off for you to be in the boardrooms and et cetera, et cetera, right? And some of that is great, right? It's absolutely amazing. And I'm so glad we've had those movements and we have those opportunities. But at the same time, you know, being driven to an extreme causes burnout, It causes us to be even more exhausted and feel even shittier about ourselves and be like, wait a second, why can't I rock it at work and rock it at home? You know, again, is there something wrong with me? Am I missing something here? Am I missing some sort of gene that I need to be this superwoman? And it's just, we just can't do and be all those things. It's just not possible. You know, I really had to have a come to Jesus talk with myself this past year because I was in this high level mastermind with seven other women who were making multiple six figures, if not seven figures. And the ones who were making the most money and having the most fun were the ones who weren't currently parents. And I really had to take that in of like, okay, they just kind of are in a different season, Lindsay. You're trying to be like them when the reality is, is you've got these two little beings who need you day in and day out. And so I've, I had to kind of mourn, you know, what I was striving for 
which was kind of the single lifestyle of kind of working all the time, but then claiming you're not working all the time. Because again, that goes back to make it look easy, make it look fun, right? And I had to take in of like, okay, I can't, I can't do it all. I cannot do it. And especially the way that I want to parent my children, it's just not going to work for me to be able to work that much. It's just not right? And also taking in two of, yeah, I love feminism. I do think it's important that women have a financial security on their own. But also there are seasons when you can depend on a partner. And you can, you know, protect yourself in ways of like prenups or postnups or things of that to make sure your ass is covered when you may be stepping back from work a little bit. Okay, because as somebody who's divorced, I know the pain of that. I really invested a lot in my ex. I sat around and waited for him for a year to finish college. You know, I spent time with our daughter. I really slowed down. Now, that was not stuff he asked of me. Again, that was like my programming of let him shine and I'm his, you know, trophy wife in essence. But then when we divorced, you know, I got the money I got, which was great. And then he went on and now he lives in a multi-million dollar home and he drives these really nice cars and he lives this totally different lifestyle. Now, it's not a lifestyle I would want. I obviously don't want to be with him in any way. There's a lot more there than the money, right? But at the same time, there was a period of time that I was like, oh, this sucks, right? And so it hits home yet again. Some of these things aren't bad, right? We do need to protect ourselves, but when they're in these extremes almost, or they're out of balance, it causes us to, again, have this life that we're like, oh, I'm why am I so tired or overwhelmed? Or why don't I feel like I'm the full expression of myself? So what I had to decide this past year with feminism and being driven was living a life of pleasure is what feminism is to me. Doing what it is I want when I want it is feminism. And so if that means slowing down to spend more time with my kids, that's the ultimate act of feminism, right? If somebody wants to stay home 24-7 with their kids, beautiful. That's your choice. Amazing. You do that. If someone wants to work and not have kids, amazing. Like all the things, as long as you're doing it out of this is what I want, that again to me is feminism. So going back to this driven thing couple of these subtle things that we're taught too is if you don't have something, it's because you're not working hard enough. I see this a lot, especially in certain segments of the coaching industry of like, you can get whatever you want and you just have to manifest just like me and blah, 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 blah. And I think for a period of time early in my coaching career, I was in that bucket and I was just like, okay, everyone just kind of gets what they they want. This is the, you know, secrets of the universe. These tools are. And I have had to discover in time of like, we're not all born on third base about to hit a home run or whatever. Some of us are born on second base. Some of us are born on first base. I did a whole podcast on this years ago called the base theory. It's this theory I put together about the different bases and who's on what base and all those things. It didn't even include, you know, like things like your race and sexual orientation and neurodivergence and all that stuff at that time it was just looking at okay based on these things this is what base you're on so if you have parents who are you know unconditionally loving you're on the space if you had parents who couldn't even pay the bills you're on the space right but yeah so if we just go back to this belief of like you're just not working hard enough that is extremely 
extremely harmful to people who are like, but I am working hard. You know, it goes back to, I'll give you, you know, something in my life is I recently had a brain scan and in that brain scan, it showed that I have anxiety and depression. They labeled it as limbic ADHD because of other things going on in my brain. And I dealt with the anxiety right away, got on some supplements. It was amazing. It's now been a year. I've had very little anxiety. But the depression piece, I didn't manage until recently. And I had just a really hard few weeks. Some things happened. And I had to face of like, Lindsay, things are harder for you in life. You're doing, you're showing up and doing the work. You're using the tools. And you really just need to lean in and realize that you need an antidepressant in the season to heal your brain, right? And what was so interesting in this is I started to tell people in my circle of like, you know, I'm not able to do that right now. I um, am honoring that I'm in a season of depression and I'm getting treatment and all of those things. I kid you not, even people in my inner circle, some of them said to me, just shake it off. And I sat there and I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like I do the fucking work, I've done the work for 10 years, I can't shake this off. You know, and that's what we do to people all the time is like, you know, say people of color. It's like, well, you're not getting X, Y, Z at work because you're showing up in this way or you're not, you know, putting in the midnight oil or whatever. It's like, maybe that's true. And or maybe it's true because they're in an environment that is fucking toxic. Right. And so then we're just teaching these people work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder. And as women, we are cyclical beings. So if we work that hard all month long, our body burns out. We're only meant to work really hard about two weeks out of the month. And then two weeks out of the month, we're meant to be in a more restful state. And so this is why so many women are having hormone imbalances, things like, oh, my thyroid, and then it manifests into other health issues, or they have things like endometriosis. Now, some of this is genetic, of course, right? And some of this isn't just related to overworking, but some of it is. And this stress we are putting on our bodies, especially when I learned about a year ago, I was like, oh, you mean I'm not meant to be like working like a man all month? Mind-blowing. Because I was always comparing myself to the men in my life and being like, damn, like, why can't I keep up? Well, because my body's different. And something I just watched last week and people posted about it too, is that women actually need more sleep than men. And it has something to do with our hormones. Like men get a testosterone boost from their testicles. And so they have this kind of constant energy where women need sleep to be able to rejuvenate things. Now, I don't know all the scientific things. You can go look it up. But that was it in a nutshell. And again, I was mind blown, right? It's like, we are not meant to work as hard as men. Okay. I really view that women are more intuitive for the most part. And so we have this opportunity to work smarter, not harder. (laughs) So I think we can be just as successful, but we need to learn as women how to be successful for ourselves. Okay. Went on a whole rabbit hole with that. So coming back, being driven, what's another subtle thing we're taught is to hustle, to move, to create, have more, achieve. It's that overly masculine energy I was talking about, but yet we still need to be soft and feminine. And so it's this, again, 
balance we're having to have all of the time of like, okay, maybe I go kill it at work and then at home I come and I have to be like the super feminine. And so we feel like in both scenarios sometimes of like, well, at work, that's not really me. And at home, it's not really me. And it takes an unpacking again of going deep into all of these things I'm teaching you today and learning things about divine feminine energy, divine masculine energy, wounded masculine, wounded feminine, which I did a whole episode on. I believe it was your divine feminine. And then we also did an interview with Nicole Liano about balanced masculine and feminine where we'll link them in the show notes if you want to go all on that. But it's super important, again, we understand of like, how do I authentically want to show up here? Because again, in the work environment, it's going to likely be do these things like a man coming home, you likely were modeled from older generations of women or even women in your circle at some point, if it's not now, then in the past of kind of this wounded feminine energy. And so it's not healthy for us in any scenario with that. We also are taught your sense of self comes from your job and your family, so you better do them well. And again, make it look easy and you fix your own problems quietly. And really kind of a lot of times your problems aren't even important. Your kids are number one. Your marriage is number one. Your husband is number one. And this is kind of the beef I have with Christianity in some ways. You know, I went to so many weddings where the people are very Christian and they read certain, I don't know what they are. I don't know, passages or whatever, scriptures about, you know, submitting to the man and the man is the head of the household and all that stuff. And I'm not disagreeing with some of that person. Well, I guess I kind of am. But yeah, I was just like, (laughs) you know, I love being in my divine feminine for sure with my husband. I love when he takes the lead, but also, you know, that just rubbed me the wrong way. It just kind of comes across again of like, he's number one and you're the side piece. He's the leader. You're submissive. You are there as almost like a piece of property kind of thing. Because back in the day, we were. We totally were. All right. So another couple things about this belief. It's basically, you know, being driven and feminism in a lot of ways is the patriarchy kind of just surrounded by glitter and sparkles. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier of like, work hard, do all the things, be all the things. You know, we have have all the opportunities now, fuck men. And that's not really healthy for us either. It's kind of just another toxic belief system that's going to lead us to not feeling fulfilled. Because the reality is you may not want to get married. You may not want to have a man in your life. You may want to be with other women. Awesome. Great. Whatever. But this whole bashing on men thing, I think is just starting to get old. I think we needed it for a while. I think when 20 or was it 2016? Oh my gosh, I'm losing track of dates. But yes, 2016 happened. Trump was elected. You know, the whole feminism movement took a whole new level and Me Too came out and all that stuff. We needed these years to be like, yeah, fuck that and fuck this and oh, I can't believe this and mediocre white men and, you know, saying yes to everything. But you know, we're, we're kind of getting to a point now, in my opinion, where it's like, okay, yeah, let's now let's start to like help men. Let's and not saying like, again, that we need to be the one to help them. But like, let's start to change some systems here and some things and really hold some boundaries with them too, out of love, not out of anger to be like, hey, nope, I'm not gonna tolerate that. Or yeah, no, that's not gonna be okay for me. Right? So 
to see where you go with all these. Again, it's like so much can come up, so little can come up. A couple more things I want to say about being driven is don't hold standards for others, even though everyone has standards for you. It kind of goes back to again of like be happy for everyone be of service to everybody. It goes back to what I was just saying with men back in the day was like, you know, the kind of the the bar was on the floor of like, oh my God, just like a breathing, somewhat lovely man likes me. And, you know, we would just kind of date whoever versus now I'm like, oh man, you better like raise the bar if you want to be with me. Um, the other thing I want to just touch on with being driven, and this is the last thing, and this is talked about a lot with personal development and in coaching as well, is this message of be the dumbest in the room. I, you always need to be up-leveling, right? And while that's great in some situations, sometimes you just want to chill. Sometimes you just want to hang. Sometimes you might want connection more than you want kind of this extreme growth. And so just watch out for that getting into overdrive because it can be, in my eyes, toxic and again, create a lot of burnout and leave you with a lot less connection in your life. As somebody who I define as extremely driven and I have definitely done this belief for a long time as always just kind of like climbing. You know, we talk about social climbing a lot. Meghan Markle tends to get this this thrown at her. Because again, you know, I'm not a fan of Meghan Markle personally, but I do realize some of the things that are thrown on her, which is what we're talking about here. But yeah, I I have really slowed down in that of like, actually, I just kind of want to connect with people. I kind of just want to like have my, my crew, you know, and like be with these people for a while and just hang, right? Okay, so that's the third bucket. We've got two more buckets. The next one is to be pretty. So this one, I feel like we've broken down a lot in society. So I'm going to go through it pretty quickly. But, you know, basically when we're saying being pretty, we are looking at the white European norms. So big eyes, spaced out, little nose, kind of full lips, not overly full, but kind of full, you know, cheekbones, smaller structure. So obviously we want you know, a thinner body and we don't want a body that's really like lost weight either because then we've got stretch marks and quote unquote imperfections and that's not what we want here. We also are are saying like basically be hairless from the eyebrows down and you know, if you have these size D perky breasts and you're skinny in other places, maybe you're a little curvy in your hips, like that's the ideal right? And some people naturally have that ideal. Some people work to that ideal and they want that. And I say there's nothing wrong with that if, again, it's authentic to you. But some people, that's just not how they're built. You know, my mom's a great example of that. My mom was never built that way. My mom is bigger boned. And I've seen my mom throughout my entire life not fall in love with herself and her body because of this shit, and it's heartbreaking. I mean, she grew up in a society too. It was the 70s when she was in high school and she wasn't allowed to perform in the halftime shows for her dance team because she would have to go way in and she didn't make the way. And it's not because she was necessarily even overeating. It was just her body. Like how fucked up is that, right? Especially if we look at women of color, some people are just not built. Some cultures are not built in that way. 
And it's so fucked up. So fucked up. The other thing we talk about with being pretty is the ideal amount of modesty based on the environment. Otherwise, you're trashy, indecent, can't be taken seriously, attention whore, distracting, or unprofessional. So what I mean by this of like you're dressing for the room, again, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with this sometimes because I think that is a strategic move. But it does suck if it's an overdrive, right, of like, oh, in this scenario, I need to dress like that or this, I need to dress like that. And ideally, you get to a place where you're just authentically showing up as you, be it the way you look externally or internally, and you have created a world around you that just mirrors that and honors that, right? Versus feeling like you have to be this chameleon all the time. And so it's tricky, right? We go in the professional world and we have to really cover up, especially chesty women. It's like, oh, I can't wear that. You know, it's going to look too sexy or whatever. You know, I remember when I had my first HR job, pencil skirts were really popular at that time. And I'm kind of hippie. And the amount of attention I got at work in those pencil skirts, I mean, it was like I could walk through a room and I could feel all the men getting energetic boners. It was like so uncomfortable. But yet I was like, damn, I really want to wear fucking pencil skirts. Like I really love them. I love the way that I feel in them and all of those things. And it got to a point where I put my authenticity on the back burner and I started wearing like these bigger skirts to work because it was just so uncomfortable. And I could feel the energy off of some women sometimes too about like, oh, well, who does she think she is? And like being quote unquote too pretty, right? And it almost got to a point too where I would be in an office with a man and I could feel energetically how they were attracted to me. And I started to get concerned about my safety of like, oh my gosh, like I am like really turning him on. Like this is uncomfortable for me, right? The other thing we talk about being pretty is just this natural makeup, i.e. being as close to this girl next door as possible. For some women, it's really having those butts and thighs. I think that's especially true for black women, Hispanic women. This hourglass figure I keep talking about in youth is obviously the kind of norm or the you know beauty standard that we want. Having tight wrinkle and cellulite-free skin. One thing else I want to talk about here, and Alyssa brought this up, and I think it's so genius. You know, if you're overweight, we tend to subtly tell people, well, then you're not deserving of happiness because you're not working hard enough to be the standard that people want. So you probably aren't going to get great dates. You probably aren't going to get great jobs. You know, just kind of prepare yourself of like, you're not really deserving of those things because you're overweight. And I'm all for being healthy. I'm all for, you know, health consciousness. And I'm also for not starving ourselves. I'm also for honoring your body. And some people are just not meant to be that way. You know, as I started to honor my body more and more the past year, I've gained probably like five pounds, which isn't that big of a deal. But when I gain weight at this point, it tends to go to my stomach and thighs. And so I start to look really pear-shaped which is not this ideal. Let's face it. I'm not an hourglass. And I start to get a little uncomfortable of like, oh, okay. I know I'm like going out of this ideal. And then I've had to catch myself the past year of being like, no, Lindsay, like this is what your body needs. Like you're tired of going to bed starving. You're tired of working out even on days when your body's telling you no. 
And that's been a lot for me to kind of take in, right? The other thing here, which I found so mind-blowing, I read a book recently called Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given. We'll link um, it in the show notes if you want to go check it out. But she talked about in that book how most women are spending their self-care time doing beauty routines. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. So true, right? You've got like a Saturday off. You're going to get your nails done. You might be getting your hair done. You're going to get XYZ wax. You might be going to, you know, do something else, eyelashes, whatever. And I was like, yes, that's so true. And that's past year I have taken off so many of those appointments on my calendar. Like I don't get lashes anymore. I very rarely go get a mani-pedi, even though right now it's like, oh, I really need a pedi. (laughs) But I was getting them all the time because it was like, you know, this is kind of what I'm supposed to be is like have these pretty nails and all that. Right. And I just got to a point where I was like, I'm tired. Like I'm tired of spending my off time doing this shit that I don't even enjoy. I just don't want to do it anymore. And what I filled it with instead were things like sound meditation, (laughs) massages, things that actually truly feel like self-care to me. So mind-blowing, right? The other thing we talk about with being pretty, I think that's tied into this, is acting dumb and letting him win. That, again, I think is evolving, but that can come up from time to time. Being quote-unquote presentable at all times is important. And again, I think we're shifting away from this, especially after the COVID times of just like, oh yeah, now we just kind of live in our sweatpants for the most part. The other thing we're told a lot is boys won't like you if you're not pretty. There's obviously a pretty privilege and I'm very aware of that because I see how it works in my favor a lot of times. And I just kind of have this look and this demeanor, which I would consider is a lot of girl next door look. And I see how people just feel very comfortable around me naturally because, you know, again, my my energy, my way of being is not something that's necessarily pushing the edges. Whereas my daughter, who's 12, she has short hair and I see the discomfort of some of these people with her fucking hair. It's fucking mind-blowing. Like, one of the moms told her daughter, who then told my daughter, she was like, yeah, my mom doesn't like you. She thought you were a boy. And, like, makes these comments about my daughter. My daughter gets misgendered from time to time, even though she's wearing earrings and, you know, all the things that she feels authentic to her. And it's heartbreaking to me in some ways. And she handles it so well. Luckily, I've given her the tools and I hold the space for her. And she just kind of enjoys kind of being different. She's Enneagram 4, if that gives you any clue. But it's it's crazy to me how uncomfortable she can make people feel just by her being her authentic self. And so, the, again, it goes back to there is a pretty privilege. It definitely works in your favor. I know some people want to just live a life like that. It just makes things easier for them. And I, you know, again, you do you. If you want that, great. I know for me too, you know, like I said, I don't always enjoy doing these beauty routines, but I also know that at times it works in my favor and the cost of doing those routines is less than or more than the award. You know what I'm saying? Like the reward is better than the cost. And so I'll do them, right? The other couple things I would just want to say about beauty is your beauty is meant for the male gaze. You'll be more successful if you're pretty, as I just said. The way others react to your looks is your responsibility. Ooh, that's a big one, right? 
yeah, of like, again, making everybody feel comfortable around you. We're also just teaching girls and women always be smiling, smelling good, nails done, almost sound like a Disney princess, and you have this white and straight teeth. Again, some of this may not be quote unquote bad. I'm somebody who loves to whiten their teeth. I enjoy smiling, but I know for me, I've had to unpack this as well. I was smiling all the time (laughs) and it was exhausting. And again, it was putting on this show of like, I have to pretend that everything's okay all the time in the past few years. I've just allowed myself to lean into of like, actually, I don't feel great today. Or like I said recently, when I told some people in my inner circle of like, I'm, I'm actually, you know, clinically depressed and people didn't know what the fuck to do with that which is crazy. All right, the last bucket I wanna dig into is called follow the rules. So we're obviously teaching girls and women all the time to basically do what others tell us to do, meaning like elders, people in power, the patriarchy, your parents, etc. So don't question, obey, because that's what, you know, again, a good successful girl does. And when you obey, you are often loved more. You are seen as you know, successful and kind and respectful and mature and liked. And so you get more benefits that way, which again, I'm not saying is a bad thing, but when it's inauthentic, it creates a life where we're like, this sucks. And some of that can lead us to things like not taking as many risks. Men statistically take more risks, especially financially. And I was just finishing up reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the summary of it. I have this app now. I don't remember the name, but it summarizes all of these kind of like best-selling personal development books. And so it was like reading through that. And he was talking about the rich take risks. And they know that in, sometimes they're going to lose money. And they don't care because they know that's just part of building their wealth is taking risks where poor people don't. And, you know, again, if we're taught as girls and women to play it safe and to follow the rules, we're not going to take those risks. And so what happens then? Then we're not as financially independent and financially wealthy. And it's been proven statistically that when women have more money, they give to their communities. And so the more women who have money, the more our communities are going to thrive. And so it's just this whole cycle of, you know, like these billionaire dudes having all this money, like Elon Musk blowing money on all kinds of stupid shit out there versus giving that to all of our communities. Oh, it's kind of sickening, right? Yeah. So the other thing too is, you know, obviously we want all of our kids to obey in some ways. You know, as a parent, it is kind of annoying when both of my kids are definitely very questioning beings because I want them to be. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, come on, no questions. Let's just like obey. But with boys, we kind of give them this kind of free pass. And we'll just say, you know, boys will be boys. And if they disobey, and especially if they're around other girls, sometimes he will be like, pointing their fingers at the girls of like, well, why did you do that? Or why did you do da da da? I'll give you an example of this. So, you know, my daughter, she's in sixth grade, pretty much every kid has a phone or an iPad or something. And so they're texting a lot and they're getting on these group chats. And one day one of her friends was over, they were on this group chat and one of the boys said a sexual comment and granted they didn't know what it meant. And so they moved on. Well, one of the moms closely monitors the group chat. 
And granted, she had set the rule with her daughter of like, you know, not texting with boys and things of that sort. But when it went down, you know, the girls were kind of getting their the fingers pointed at them versus the boy who actually did it. And that's typically what happens a lot of like, girls, you knew better. Why did you let him do that? Versus again, like, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And obviously, this kind of mentality leads to rape culture of, well, what were you wearing? Why were you walking out so late? You know, you should know better kind of stuff versus, no, actually, we should just be able to wear whatever the fuck we want and be out whenever the fuck we want kind of thing, right? And, you know, this just goes back to, again, you know, we have to follow the rules because as women and girls, if we don't, our safety's in jeopardy. And so we don't want to mess that up. And as girls and women, you know, we're taught that we have a lot more to lose if we don't follow the rules. And it will take us a lot longer to recoup if ever. So what I mean by this is, you know, say we have a job and they're misogynists and, you know, we call them out on it and we get fired. Well, most times, statistically showing, of course, this is just statistics, you know, men can recuperate from that easier, right? Um, They tend to have stronger networks, you know, other men tend to hire other men because our brains like to go with like, you know, what we're like. And so they can kind of recoup easier from that versus women, it takes them longer, right? And it goes back again of like, sometimes when we mess up, you know, we're, we're in harm's way things can happen to us, you know, be it rape, etc. kind of thing. And then the last few things I want to say about following the rules is you'll hurt yourself and others and even bring shame on your family if you do certain things. And then it will be this kind of lecture of shaming of saying look at all we did for you look at all the things we gave up for you and this is how you treat us and we taught you better than this you know I remember whenever I got pregnant with my daughter and we weren't married my mom basically made the comment that I was white trash and she was just acting like I was bringing on so much shame to the family for doing this and I remember saying to her I was like we're not the fucking royal family (laughs) It's like, I'm about to be 26 years old. And granted, looking back, I wish I would have waited longer, but it was just like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. And then the last thing, I think with following the rules, a lot of times we're just taught to forgive and forget. Like, just forget that so-and-so did it. Let's sweep it under the rug, especially with boys. Like I saw this with my ex's family. None of them, not one person from that family, and there are many aunts and uncles ever, said anything to me and took ownership about what my ex said to me, which was living that double life with another woman who he's now married to and has had a child with, et cetera. Granted, him and I had a child together and granted, I can feel energetically off of them that they feel extremely sorry. And I think a lot of them think like he fucked it up really bad for the choice that he made, but nobody said anything to me ever. They all just kind of swept it under the rug and moved on. And they all acted like I was supposed to do the same. Like right when I found out this happened, they were still inviting me to things. And I finally said to one of the aunts, I was like, I'm not going to this, you know, event because I am sitting here mourning 
of what the fuck just happened to me. And I didn't say the F word, but that's how I felt, right? And they were just like, oh, okay, well, you know, whenever you feel da-da-da. And that's where I was just like, I can't, I can't be around this family. Like, somebody's got to acknowledge this. And this is what we're doing constantly. And it goes back to, like, the boys will just see boys. It's fucking ridiculous. Okay. So, whoo, that's all I got. Hopefully you got some things that you are realizing of like, who this is where I want to change. One more thing I want to say on beauty. It was actually a conversation I had with a client recently was not having tattoos and not having piercings and all that. Like that, again, girl next door kind of look. And um, so that can be in the beauty standards. So you're like, okay, Lindsay, I see some things now that I want to work on. How do I shift these things? Well, just starts with first awareness, right? And then starting to ask yourself, how do I want to show up instead? If I don't want to feel like I want this certain look anymore, like this is the work I did about a year ago. It's like, I don't want to be processing my hair every eight weeks for hours on end to get it bleached blonde. I want to do that. So what do I want to do instead? Do I want to cut it off? Do I want to go my natural color? Do I want to do this? And then I've just gone to my natural color and I've played with that for a year now. And it's like, okay, well, where, where do I want to go next? And this is true with, you know, many other examples that I gave of internal things, right? Of like, oh, I don't want to show up like this anymore. How do I want to show up differently? And some of that is you doing the deeper work to understand what is authentic to you. And in that, it's probably just going to be trial and error of, you know, maybe getting some different clothes for a while, maybe approaching a certain thing in your life a different way and just kind of ebbing and flowing with that. But it's going to, again, take you being self-aware enough to know what feels right to you and what doesn't feel right to you and to also have things like boundaries in place so that you can kind of change the way that people are treating you. Also having the courage to speak your truth and to go against the grain and break these barriers and do all these things because, you know, life is pretty freaking great when you can just show up exactly as you authentically are. As I've gotten closer and closer to that, it's amazing. And there are times still when I'm very uncomfortable, like For example, this weekend we went to my husband's work Christmas party and it's at this nice restaurant and pretty much everyone that works at his company is very good looking. It's almost kind of like who the fuck is doing the hiring around here? And, you know, like I said earlier in this is like I'm not really getting my nails done anymore and I didn't really have like all these fancy clothes because now I just kind of wear comfortable stuff and it was like I don't know, it just felt really uncomfortable to like put on heels and put on this short dress, even though I know that I've like gained some weight. And I know that, you know, my nails weren't painted, even though I wore an open toed shoe. And I was just like, Oh, my God, this is so uncomfortable. But then I just had to like breathe and regulate and be like, Okay, but I'm still gonna like show up like this. And granted, maybe some people had some thoughts about it. And said some things. I don't know. But you know, after I did it, I was like, whew, okay, I did that. Like, okay, how did I feel on that? Okay, well, I, I think I still, like, want to still be getting pedicures. Like, I want to lean back into that world. 
whew, I don't know if I really want to wear heels because I had to stand on my feet for two hours because when we got there, it was like standing tables only with hors d'oeuvres and open bar. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I'm going to stand in heels. And I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do that feels more authentic to me with this, right? So, oh, all that to say, again, it's going to take self-awareness. It's going to take trial and error. But when you are living closer and closer to this life that you want, it just feels amazing. And just know too, you know, this is something that was said in that book I mentioned earlier called Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given. She said, you're going to be punished either way. So what option does that leave you with? And what she's meaning here of like being pretty but not enough or smart or not enough and all those things. So you're going to get punished either way. So why not we just all do whatever the fuck we want? And I'm like, yes. Because again, we're always going to piss somebody off. That's just part of it. Even though we're conditioned as women as like, don't piss anybody off. Like, make everybody like you. But we just can't. And so why not just be ourselves, right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave this life and have regrets. And some of these things, had I not changed them from this quote-unquote good, successful girl, would have left me with some regrets. And I want to say this too. It's a quote by Gloria Steinem, which if you don't know who she is, she's like kind of the feminist queen out there. And she said, the truth will set you free, but at first it will piss you off. So if you're leaving this episode and you're a little bit pissed about some of these things, and what will happen too is you know these beliefs now, and you're going to see them come up in different scenarios in your life. Like after I started to unpack this in my world with Alyssa on our coaching, I saw a lot of this come up in my marriage. And my husband's an Enneagram one, which ones can be very black and white of like, this is good, this is bad. And I could see him trying to fit me into that mold of like what a good wife is and a good mother and a good person. And oh man, did it piss me off. And it created some tension in our marriage. But luckily now we've worked through a lot of that. And it's like, whew, okay, now we've kind of settled into this new place of like, I get to just be my authentic self now. And I will tell you, it was a little scary in there for a while. I thought for many times we were going to get a divorce because he was just not getting it. And some of this too that we teach men is this whole mansplaining thing, right? And like how smart you are and how capable you are and you're the leader. And so then we are diminishing girls and women most of the time. Um, And so he wasn't taking me seriously. And it was like, no, you are going to listen to what I have to say kind of stuff, right? And I just want to say, too, that you may be like, oh, I don't want to unpack this. I don't want to do the work of this. But actually having the time to unpack and evaluate this stuff is such a privilege. And so I know it can seem like, oh, I don't want to take on this burden. You know, my life is good enough as it is. And you are welcome to do that, right? I always say you do you. But I want you to just shift your perspective if it feels authentic to you to saying actually where I'm at now is such a beautiful gift for me to be able to unpack this because that's usually saying that your basic needs are met in life and you feel enough safety and security that you can go in and say, okay, how can I kind of stir the pot here and be able to achieve and uh, attract even more authentic relationships in my life um, because I have my basic needs met? Because think about the people who aren't getting those basic needs met. They're not thinking about this shit, likely. They're thinking about how am I gonna get food on the table? How am I going to, you know, walk outside and not get shot today? Yeah? Okay. 
And one more thing I just want to hit home with you is I know you may feel some discomfort, but this temporary discomfort will go away in time as you work through these things and do this work. And what you're doing by having this discomfort now working through these things is making an investment in your future self. Okay, because as I said, right now, I'm so glad I went through all that discomfort, especially my marriage to be like, nope, this is like who I am, you know, and surprise, (laughs) it's different than what you thought, because now I'm my authentic self. And I'm glad I did that because my future self now, who's my present self, is like, whoo, this feels great. Okay, things are going to shift along the way. I see this with clients all the time because this is what I take my clients through is this process in essence of unpacking all these things. And we're not doing it as in depth as we did here of like talking about all these beliefs. We have a whole training on it, but then we have many, many other trainings on other things. And those tools are in essence, helping them unpack all of this. But yeah, it's like, it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to unpack all this and and getting the support in this. And in time, it's going to get better. You're going to make changes maybe along the way and realize, oh, wait, this person's always going to be an asshole or wow, now I see it. This person's definitely a misogynist or this person is definitely a racist and they don't give a shit about being a racist and you're going to move on. Okay. And I know I keep saying one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. But the last thing I want to just say, and I promise you this is the last thing, is when you're your full authentic self, and again, it's going to come in time, it's going to always be an evolution. One of my clients recently said, you've never really arrived, have you? You're always evolving. And I was like, hmm, I guess that's a way to look at it. But it forces people to reveal whether they deserve a place in your life or not. This truth is a gift and it will save you a lot of energy. So stop breaking down. Stay whole. I promise you it's worth it. I don't have mornings where I wake up and think, "Mm, I wonder if I'm my highest potential today. Oh, man, I'm feeling unfulfilled. Except for, you know, my marriage for a little bit. Ooh, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed by this thing. Or I just feel, you know, these feelings that I can't get out. And that's why right now, you know, you could be like, well, Lindsay, you're, de- you know, clinically depressed. Well, that was for me stuffing everything from so for so long. And so my brain evolved to having to stuff all of my feelings. And then I became anxious because of that. I changed my brain because I was forced to not feel. And we could go on a whole nother tangent of all the consequences from women from having to live in these beliefs. Like, I'll just give you one. You know, if we think about sexually, we apply this to a sexual relationship, especially with a man and a woman. We're taught sexually many times of like, you know, just be there for his pleasure. Most men don't know what the fuck they're doing with women. And so men leave and they're feeling satisfied. And as women, we're leaving many times and being like, okay, I guess that was okay. Well, people who orgasm more, they get more of those endorphins. And so what happens? Then their brain wires form where they can have happier emotions. And so in essence, they're healthier and happier. So it's just things like that that I'm talking about here. And so again, it's going to feel uncomfortable right now. You may lose some people along the way. You may feel a lot of discomfort. But on the other side of this, it's so good. And if you want support, this is what I do, my friend. 
you and I will go through my Awaken Woman coaching process together. You can either go through it self-study and it will walk you through step-by-step of what to do. You can do self-study and add in Voxer-only coaching, which is me supporting you on this app where we can do text messages and voice messages to each other. It's pretty cool. It actually is a lot more um, in-depth than you think. Or you can go through my Awaken Moment process in a group. I'm not going to be focusing as much on group in 2023, but in future years I will be. And I'll have groups of like all nurses and all teachers and all people going through a divorce or just, you know, new moms and things of that sort. And then, of course, you can do Awaken Woman as a one-on-one client. This obviously is at a higher price point. It's for somebody who is usually more established in their lives. So it tends to be many times older women because they are more established. It tends to be women who are managers or directors or CEOs, but that doesn't mean that's always the case. If you're really wanting a deep transformation and wanting my support week after week with one-on-one calls as you go through this and so much more where we're accomplishing your goals, where we are creating the life that you want while unpacking these things, then that's the way to go. All right. That's all I got. This is a long episode. As I said, it's my third time recording it. I think I got it this time. And thank God I'm on a deadline. Woo! Thanks for staying with me. It's been a joy and pleasure. Again, I'm going to be talking about all of these things so much in my social media and in my emails, breaking these things down one by one by one. And so you'll be hearing a lot more and hitting these things home even more um, as I unpack them. All right, my friend, I love you. I love you. I love you. Go out there, be your authentic self, go shed that good girl and be the girl that you want to be. Be the woman that is just like, oh, yes, this is it. This is who I've always wanted to be. I just didn't know how to be her. All right. I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero and you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book this book is a study guide for life enjoy and of course share this show with your friends i believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside the more you help others succeed the more you help yourself so share share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.